Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. Hello, and welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code. I'm Dr. Gertrude Lyons, a professional life coach, exploring, demystifying, and democratizing the maternal power that lives in all women. The experience of mothering may not necessarily mean what you think it means. I believe that mothering is a vehicle for transformation, whether or not we have children. And together, we can start a new conversation around modern motherhood. On this show, we will redefine what it means to mother and untap the powerful feminine within you. Are you ready to rewrite the mother code? This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, and welcome to episode 17 of the Rewrite the Mother Code podcast. I'm really excited and honored to have as my guest on this podcast, Zuri Thompson. So Zuri Thompson is a community leader, huge inspiration in the Chicagoland area, and she's founder of The Doula Part. What is that? What's The Doula Part? Well, you're going to find out all about that in the podcast, but a doula is someone who serves, and she's a person who supports the process in others of bringing forth new ideas, new actions, new life. So what Zuri does is to support you know, women before, during, and after birth, but she's expanded it and she really wants to doula and empower people to fix broken social systems. Her passion and her hunger is around feeding people. She's always loved food and she has turned that into a service that she gives just wholeheartedly to. But she also realized that there's a lot of people who want to serve and, you know, even in the food area, but don't always know how to do it or to do it well or to do it right and to do it in a very dignified and compassionate way that meets the needs of the people. So you're going to hear all about that. You're going to hear about her huge uh, vision and mission and her vision that there's enough for everyone and that we're all worthy of the absolute best. So without further ado, I invite you to join this conversation with us. 
All right. Well, I have the honor and privilege to be here today with Zuri Thompson, and we're going to have a, a wonderful chat, I'm sure. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Zuri. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Yeah, me too. Like I, we found each other through social media, which is so cool because I, I don't have that many, you know, places where my relationship really started there, although kind of knowing of each other a little bit, um, but really <laughs> reached out through that way. And over this the course of this past year and the pandemic, and you've just been doing amazing, wonderful things. So I'm feel really grateful to have some time to hear about it and share, you know, with my audience and other audiences, the really beautiful work you're up to in, well, currently in the Chicago area, but who knows? Well, who knows? Right? Right. Exactly. We're not going <laughs> to limit it to there. So Zuri has this amazing organization called the doula part, and she's going to explain it even better than I can. And there'll be more in show notes and introduction on ways to, to get a hold of her, but you've expanded the whole definition of doula, right? And giving birth to or supporting and as things come into being, most people are familiar that with childbirth. And that's, of course, a lovely aspect of it. But you are doing that with communities and mm -hmm. in a really amazing, beautiful, powerful way. So we're going to be hearing about that. But I thought what we could start with and how people can support you, support the communities and work with you and all the ways that I really want people to understand how they can work with you. So we're going to get to that, but let's start with just hearing about you, you know, kind of, if you don't mind sharing a little bit, how you got to the doula part and a little bit of your journey. Yeah. So, um, I guess starting in childhood, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, my mom has always been really active in the community. Um, she's always worn multiple hats and has just been really great about being, getting involved. Um, and then having my brother and I be involved. So I grew up um, with that exposure. Uh -huh. Um, and so then just entering the workforce, I really started in nonprofit, not knowing that that's where I would spend most of my time. Sure. I, I went to school for marketing thinking I would be an event planner. Um, and so I've used some of those um, event skills and marketing skills for my work. But I started um, just kind of doing community work on a volunteer base and then as an intern and then as a paid intern and um, just my um, connection to community and um, food really yeah. uh, stuck out really early on. And um, just navigating my way uh, through different organizations and different community projects and mm -hmm. just finding themes in, in, in what I felt called to do has, you know, in general has brought me here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Cause it's, you know, sometimes our paths are really clear. Like we kind of know early on, but just seeing how your surroundings, your culture, your family had impact on that. And then, but then at the same time, it wasn't you weren't totally sure you were going to go into nonprofit. Right. You right. Did. How did the food component actually like make its way in? Cause I know that's such a big part and I want you to share about that aspect as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I've always liked food personally. I've liked mm -hmm. to eat. And then, um, at some point in my late teens, I had an interest in learning to cook. Mm. Um, so just, um, learning things either from my mom or, uh, recipes or things like that. Um, but as far as in my community work, I was asked as I was working at a nonprofit to manage a weekly farmer's market that oh. they had put together. Okay. And um, 
I said, sure. You know, I was in college and I'm, you know, wanting to take on as much as I can. I had a part-time job. I was in school and I'm like, absolutely. I can do that on Saturdays. That's awesome. Um, and so <laughs> that, that was my first really like introduction to food on a community level. And then just throughout the different projects that I've been involved with, I just always was concerned about what are people eating? So if we're housing a homeless veteran, what are they going to eat when they are placed in this house? Mm -hmm. You know, if there is a, a senior who's coming to the market every week during the summer, well, there's no market in the wintertime. So what are they eating in the wintertime? How are they getting their wow. fruits and vegetables in the wintertime? So that's how that developed for me. And just noticing that and um, feeling really passionate about it mm -hmm. um, and then finding someone who can help to guide me in terms of the types of things that I devote my time to and the types of projects that I, I, I take on um, has really helped me get to where I am now with the doodle part. Yeah. All right. I, there's all these directions <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> so much cool <laughs> stuff to talk about, but let's stay with the food part. So tell everybody about what you've done this year. Cause I, I don't know that you had the taking and providing meals to black moms in need, right? But it's, you have a name for it and it was so beautiful. And I want to, I want people to hear more about that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So it started with, um, just a simple, um, campaign. I reached out to a black doula collective that had oh. decided to, um, during the pandemic, they noticed the challenges that women of color that lived in certain parts of Chicago were facing with accessing essential items, you know, mm -hmm. and then after the killing of George Floyd and the social uprisings that, yeah. that followed, it became even, even more challenging for them to reach diapers or, you know, just simple items because stores were closed in yeah. neighborhoods, you know, for an extended period of time. And so I saw that they were doing this beautiful campaign to put together love packs packages to distribute to this community. And I said, Hey, you know, what are they eating? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do they have meals? Can mm. I prepare some food and just give out meals to the women who come to pick up these love packages? And so that's how, and they said, absolutely. That would be wonderful. And so I said, well, maybe I can do a GoFundMe. I've never done a GoFundMe before, but I really felt um, that a lot of people were just set up, you know, with just social issues and wanting to be involved and not exactly knowing exactly how to get involved. And it just had a beautiful response. You know, yeah. it was very well received. Um, people were very supportive. And that's how that started. And I uh, started every week and a couple of girlfriends volunteered every week mm -hmm. to help um, shop and prepare and distribute the food. And from that, take it off my plate. Take uh, it off my plate. Why yes. Was so yes. I didn't have it in front of me. I was like, Whoa. I knew that's what you were referring to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Take it off my plate was born from just those Fridays over the summer distributing meals to this community. And we said, Hey, we can, we can do more, mm. you know? And yeah, so keep um, going with that. Um, that when you, that spark of like, we can do more when you saw the response, when you saw like, I, I mean, I'll share for myself, you know, seeing what you were doing was beautiful and moving. Like from the start, I jumped right in, but then as you proceeded to show like the, you know, how much fun and the love that was going into the food. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes more than like, Oh, here's some can, you know, here we'll, we'll give you food. Right. Like, right. Right. But, 
I could tell, you know, without even talking to you that you cared well beyond and know that it's so much more than, you know, basic sustenance, like the love that you're putting in the food and, and the beautiful food that you make is all part of the nourishment, right? It's so much. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I just think that speaks volumes. If you can say a little bit about that, and then I want to hear about the spark that took it further. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think I'm um, just in working in public health and um, talking to folks that are really concerned about community nutrition and feeding people. Sometimes we can get caught up in our own personal biases or our own personal needs. So, well, let's feed the community, but is it organic or is it, you know, this and that? And having to meet all this criteria. And I have worked on, on the ground and in person with people who are hungry. And sometimes it's just, I just need something to eat. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not concerned about, um, you know, where it was grown and everything else. And so I try to make food that has nutritional value, but that also has comfort. And I care so much about it. The love is just communicated in that way. Yeah. And so I look at the initial, like the Feeding Moms campaign as like an emergency response. What can I make large quantities of with good quality food mm -hmm. and serve to a large amount of people? and then take it off my plate, I look at it as more of a sustainable response mm -hmm. where, okay, now that people are more stabilized, let's ask because maybe I gave someone a meal that they don't eat. Maybe they don't eat meat. You know, maybe yeah. they don't eat dairy. So when we um, distribute meals for take it off my plate, we reach out to the recipient first and say, Hey, do you have any dietary restrictions? You know? And so whether we're preparing food ourselves or working with someone, a chef who's preparing food, we're able to communicate, Hey, this household, you know, needs this, which I think feels more like you're, you're seeing, you know, you're receiving assistance, but the folks who are providing that assistance, see you yeah. and your value, yes. you know? And I can't underline that enough and that the being seen part and, and it's like feeding our deeper yearnings, our deeper hungers. In addition, you know, like we, we need our basic needs met, but when you add that, um, I just think it multiplies the impact of the nourishment, uh, many, many you know, I'm not scientific about it, but it, I'm sure if we went to to prove it, we would find ways to show that it just impacts at such a bigger, broader level to know that you matter, right? And yeah. care is being taken and you're being heard and seen like, oh, you know, the simple act of asking like, what can you eat? Right. <laughs> what would you like to eat? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I think it, it's just, it's dignity. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And yep. we serve women and families that might not ask for assistance from other sources or they're not used to being taken care of. And so just even knowing how to receive something a lot of times is it takes work to... Yeah. <laughs> To get to that point to receive something that's being given to you. And I think just that extra step of um, the care of wanting to know, you know, how can we do this in a way, you know, that you can receive it and feel taken care of truly. It makes a difference. Just that small, that small piece. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's small, but it's, it's really packs a punch. That's beautiful. Um, and uh, we'll be sure to like link how people can support and learn more about take it off my plate and more, but we'll start with that. Right. Yeah. And then 
you know, you, you've just launched kind of another level for your, yourself with the doula part, empowering people to fix our broken social systems as a doula. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have these beautiful definitions of doula in this broader mm -hmm. sense. Can you speak more about that? And, and, and yeah, share? I'm so really excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Um, and it took me, I mean, it, it really took me becoming a mom and seeing the gap and how we fail women and families after children are born, yeah. you know, and supporting them. And so for me, the weeks and months that followed both of my children, but um, initially my oldest, those were the most challenging, more yeah. so than the pregnancy, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I felt called to support. I, I just felt like I needed to support um, people who were going through this. So postpartum doula was like, okay, I'm going to be a postpartum doula. And so mm -hmm. I trained for it. Um, I started uh, meeting with other doulas and going out for coffee and tea pre-COVID. Yes, of <laughs> and, course. I always um, have to add that, right? right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You were in public with another person? Um, and um, just started um, as a volunteer doula and then taking on um, private clients, but I had to confront my own uh, area where I needed healing. I mean, obviously, you know, people need assistance in this way and they're going to want some, you know, the way that I, you know, felt that I needed help. I'm like, well, this is what people need. And in training, my trainer's like, well, no, you're there to empower folks. You're there to empower people to do this mm. for themselves, to know that they can do this for themselves. And so this idea that I had of basically, I'm going to be doing this for someone else had to shift. Yeah. And then in providing care as a doula, realizing, no, you can't raise someone else's child. You can't, you know, do anything for them. You have to empower people to see that they are capable, you yes. know, to, to, they have the strength to do this. And that coupled with my love for doing community work, um, and then moving through 2020 and doing community projects and incorporating, um, the practices that I used as a doula, it just birthed this service yeah. where I know that nonprofit work or community engagement work could really use this level of consciousness in providing services for people. It's huge. So, and you have a beautiful vision around it. Do you mind speaking into the vision you have as a community doula? Yeah. Um, I mean, doulas empower, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a pregnancy doula, whether it's a birth doula and through empowering others, you really recognize your own strength and just the resilience of people, of humanity. Mm -hmm. And you can't get to that point without acknowledging how precious humanity is yeah. and to see the challenges that we're facing and that certain groups face more so than others with this acknowledgement and this recognition, I'm able to better say, well, how can we change the systems that are in place? And not just focus on fixing people, you know, how can yes. we, how can we change these systems that are failing people and ultimately everyone and to know that everyone is worthy, everyone should have access to the absolute best. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's enough food for everyone. There's enough, everything for everyone to be taken care of. You yeah. know, if we all do our part, whatever that part is 
for you. Yeah. I love how you've brought your experience of getting like, oh, like I really want to help people, but I can't fix people. Right. Right. That's not mine to do. And, you know, I would imagine, you know, that took some work and healing, you know, to get to, (laughs) and, and you probably have been kind of a, a fixer and a very responsible one, you know, through your life, which has its pluses until we also get that like, oh, that's really not always my job, right? To fix, but to empower. And I I love how you're saying that. So seeing that with with moms and the need after I 100% agree that, you know, there's plenty of studies showing that most moms will say that nobody prepared them for Mm -hmm. what's to come. And, you know, obviously in some ways you can't totally prepare because till you're in the experience, but there's so much more that can be, Mm -hmm. you know, we can educate, we can, we prepare for so many other things way more than we do. becoming a parent, you know, or a mom. So it's, that's a broken system. Right. And I think that's what you, what you realized is, all right, I can't, I need to empower them as individuals. And that's a beautiful thing. But then we got to look at this from a much bigger, you know, step back and look at the, at all the systems that are playing a part in what's not working. Right. And there's certainly this past year and um, all the, you know, the social injustice that's brought to the forefront, we're clearly seeing it more than ever, more broken systems, and you're doing something about it. Right. So you're offering your, your services as, as a doula to look at, oh, if you want to help people and you're, you know, have this big heart and you also want to help people, but you don't always really know how to do it. Right. Right? And take the lessons that you've learned to really take this broader approach, look at the system that you're trying to support and help and really have a greater impact and really define what really needs to be helped. I think is what I was also getting, right? Because sometimes we think we know what we need to help, but when you really dig in, it's like, no, that's not what we need. We need this, right? And and really being aware of like what it is that we're helping. So I'm underlining what you what you said, but I, I want it to be really clear, you know, to people that this service that you're offering is you've now translated it, you know, from a a birth doula into anything that you're taking care of, which I obviously relate to with rewrite the mother code, right? Because we mother and take care of more than just children. And we want to raise a better world and, you know, (laughs) really like grow up and, and have us have a whole different experience because there is enough for everybody. And it's, it is all possible. Um, so say a little bit more about how you work then with, in the community in this, in this regard. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go, it's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And 
we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is really asking the folks that are being served, what is it that would help you? You know, I think a lot of times- so obvious, but so doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen, you know, and I've worked um, for organizations that have great resources. And so they're able to hire consultants and advisors and things to put programs together. And then I've also implemented the same programs. And it's, and when you're doing the work, you see, well, this doesn't work, you know, okay, well, you know, we can't ask the question this way, or we can't go here at this time because they're not, you know, and so you come back to the drawing board, but typically you don't have someone who's sitting both in strategy, you know, and implementation. Oh, wow. You know, That's a big disconnect. Um, <laughs> it's a, it, it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's a huge disconnect. And the approach we touched on is, well, these people, this community has a problem. For example, obesity is an issue. Okay. So let's, you know, how can you lose weight? How can you not, you know, what can you do? What can you do? And then, but not taking a step back to see, well, where do you exist with this problem? You know, Mm -hmm. what are the factors around you that are contributing to this being a problem for you? You know, and what do you know would be helpful for you? And so that is the biggest piece. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the work that I do, you know, um, just feeding in different ways, uh, whether it's um, a workshop or a day of feeding meals or putting food even in um, the love fridge that take it off my plate, um, co-host and uh, co-manages with um, Love Fridge Chicago. Mm. It's okay. As folks are accessing the refrigerator, what are some foods that you like to eat? You know, what are some foods that fit into your lifestyle? Just having these conversations Mm -hmm. that a lot of times don't happen in community work. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm all along. I'm just, you know, really seeing such a big theme Zuri, of, oh, we're not like stopping and listening to each other, you know, or like asking the right questions or really, you know, coming together. And I think, you know, some of it 
it comes from a good place, right? Like we see a problem, we want to fix it, but it's almost like our anxiety just wants to jump to like fix it. So we're not uncomfortable anymore. Right. And rather than, you know, this might sometimes even take a little bit longer, like to be with people and, you know, really get in relationship, like have this, you know, be a more than just, we're going to do this, do that, but there's a whole being aspect um, to this, that through everything that you're doing, I keep seeing as a, as a really such a critical theme. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of burnout, I think just mm-hmm. in our, the way we approach work in general, you mm-hmm. know, and, and just doing things in, in life in general, but especially when you feel tasked with taking care of, you know, someone or a project or a community. And if you're doing things where um, you're doing them because you think this is the, what someone needs or the best way to do it, and then it's not received well, then you're like, well, what do you mean? I'm doing all this stuff for you. I'm doing all this stuff to take care of you. You know, I drove to, um, you know, whatever place to pick up all this food and I came here and you didn't even come and get it you know, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And then being able to take a step back and say, well, I mean, technically I wasn't asked to do that in that way. You know, I feel called to provide food and to feed someone, but no one said to do it in this way. And so if it's not received, that's not, you know, right. (laughs) You weren't asked to do that. So I've had to take a step back and say, what can I do? And be able to put it out there and not worry about the outcome. You know what I mean? Not worry about just like with, with feeding moms, it was, can I provide food to the women that you're serving? This is what I know I can do. I can do it once a week. I can feed, you know, 50 to 75 people and I'm preparing this lovingly. I'm packing, packaging these meals and I'm giving them out and I can't worry about anything after that point. You know what I mean? Like if I get into beyond that, the reception, you know, of it. And then I'm offended by it not being received in the way that I thought it should be. You know what I mean? Like and imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, points to like how we need to take care of ourselves um, and really look at like our come from and, you know, am I doing this to get a specific response or, Am I doing this to provide, you know, the, the greater service that it's, that is really needed, you know, and and to be able to hear that as just feedback, but feedback in a nourishing way versus feedback as your, you know, bad, wrong person or something, you know, which is what we can often take. And then, then we don't keep going. We don't like keep digging in to, to really come together and have it be something that will benefit both. Right. And and both needs. Because Um, what is your, you know, what is your motivation for doing it? Yeah. You know, if your motivation is to be told, oh, wow, you know, you're doing, you're, you you know, this is wonderful. Like you're an amazing chef. You're, you know, this and that, if you don't get that, you know, and that's what I mean. Like if you don't get, if it's not received in the way in your mind, you, you've decided you need to, you know, be praised for it. Then, you know, ego is like, well, right. Forget (laughs) it. I'm going to take my my food and go somewhere else. Right. Like, (laughs) right. Right. But if it, I just want to provide love and support. And if folks hate it, then I can take note and, you know, move on. But I know that I put, I came from a place of wanting to, you know, wanting to do that. Yeah. That's beautiful. 
Well, um, we have time for a little bit more. So I want to like find out. And so people that are listening, you know, that are like totally resonating and making sense, who are the people or the organizations um, that you've worked with, or can, if you can give kind of a case study, you know, example of, of someone that you've worked with and the result or, you know, just the process and and how you've worked with uh, someone in the community. So there is a group South Loop Community Table, and it is comprised of the South Loop Campus Ministry and the Inclusive Collective at UIC. Mm. And so there are two different ministries that come together to provide a meal for the community every Sunday. Um, so every Sunday, um, anywhere between 70, 100 food insecure um, people, homeless individuals, students come together to sit down and share a meal together. Mm-hmm. And I was asked a few years ago if I would prepare food for the dinner. So I did that every Sunday um, for several months. It was early in my pregnancy when I took it on. Oh, wow. And I hadn't even revealed, I did. I don't even think I revealed I was pregnant until I was like eight months and saying, hey, I got like a couple more weeks <laughs> that I could push this thing out. Um, but so I, I, I actually uh, made the food for the meal every Sunday and then after um, just my my availability and things changed after having children, I've stayed connected with them by helping to connect to food rescue opportunities or doing like a, a meal when I can and making other connections that, you know, make sense to serve more people with that group. Beautiful. You worked on the kind of collaborating of the two while you're providing the meals, but at the same time, you know, working with like two organizations and, and mm-hmm. how to best serve and, you know, how do we have the best result here? Um, mm-hmm. Is it limited the people that would want to work with you and, and really maximize how they're supporting, you know, communities in need with food or are there other, other ways that you work with people also? Um, so or, or organizations? I, yeah. So my focus, and I work with whether it's a nonprofit organization, um, a business um, you know, that might have a, a community giving, mm. a community engagement, um, you know, strategy or community, community groups, community members. My focus is food. Yeah. Right. So my focus is food. And there's a lot, um, whether it's a love fridge or a community meal or distributing groceries, there's a lot of different ways um, that food is distributed to people who yeah. need it. Yeah. There's just a lot of opportunity. So great. So anyone who already doing that or has, you know, desire to provide food or ideas of that, like you're the person to come to because you'll help really make that something that is more than just a job getting done, you know, or more and, and, and really have it have the impact that it could have. Right, right. And uh, uh, this time last year, I was preparing for for All-Star Weekend, um, I was contacted um, in January of 2020 by someone who I've worked, an organization that I've worked with before um, for large venue food rescue. Mm. And they were planning, they they have a relationship with a former NBA player, Charles Oakley, oh, sure. um, who's also a former bull for, I think, a brief period of time. Yes. <laughs> Um, he, uh, is very passionate about, uh, food and, and feeding people. And, um, he's also known as uh, a really good chef. So he put together a mobile food bus. I don't even want to call it a food truck because this right. thing is like a huge, like <laughs> tour bus <laughs> yeah. where he prepares food. And so he planned, he wanted to last all-star weekend, come to Chicago and feed people. 
so make, and I mean, he's making three course meals to, um, to feed folks in need. And wow. so I coordinated on all-star day, actually two different venues where he could go. And in the morning we did veterans, new beginnings, which is a wonderful supportive housing for veterans. And then, um, in the evening we finished actually at South loop community table and watched the all-star game as Charles wow. Oakley was distributing food. Yeah. Serving wow. food. Oh my God. I love, that's so beautiful. I, yeah. I love that, Zuri. So I don't want to wrap up, but we're going to about to wrap up related, but unrelated, just because I love how like small of a world it is. And I wanted to mention the fact that out of the blue, you, you noticed the picture I have in some of my stuff and it was <laughs> artwork in uptown area that your father did. Right. And, right. And that you guys, I'm so sad. I didn't get to get over there. And I can't remember if you had, and it's this beautiful piece of, I don't know, I call it a sculpture, but mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a, a better name for it. Um, so I, I get where the community aspect of you know, background of where you came from, but was it just him or were you also involved? Cause he, he produced a coloring book, an anti-racism coloring book um, mm -hmm. that looked really beautiful. So, you know, just as an add-on, I'd love to like speak to that since it was part of our connection or relationship also. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, it can't remember the year that the color wheel was installed. So I remember wheel, when, yeah. when he was working on it wow. um, and he was contacted. I don't know if it was the alder. I think the alderman referred him to this group who was looking to do um, a public piece. And so I remember the drafts and things of, of, hmm. of this piece. And then um, they moved forward with it. And I think it took a little bit of time for it to, to be built, but yeah, he's, he has coined himself the race man. And um, he started in advertising in 1968, right after um, Dr. King was killed, because there was uh, a lot of businesses wanted to show that they weren't racist. You know, yeah. like it's I don't know, it feels a, a reminiscent of 2020. Totally. <laughs> hey, right. this horrible thing happened. Um you know, so he was able to get into advertising that way and then went on to work for seven of the 10 top ad agencies as a creative director, as an art director. So, I mean, author, artist, um, he's always, always up to something. I, I, I'm not, I just offer my simple feedback to whatever he presents, but I have no... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't play a hand. Well, you, in, in your art food. is in a different form. I mean, you're the food and, you know, everything I've seen about what you serve is art, you know, and, the, yeah. and, you know, the beauty of art, whether it's like physical art, you know, and an installation like that, or the food that we're eating that again, I just want to underline that impact of beauty and color and, you know, all of our senses that play a part are mattering in, in showing, you know, that any of us as individuals matter and the care that's taken to that. So that's where I see the connection in the two of you. So it's not like that kind of physical art, but it definitely is providing uh, beauty and nourishment in the same type of way. Yeah. Yeah. He always says I'm the perfect combination of him and my mom. Aww. And um, my mom actually uh, founded and ran a, a nonprofit for over 15 years. And um, she's just very, very community minded and um, a great self-starter and go-getter. So so I appreciate you recognizing that. I yeah. <laughs> no, I had a conflict at the time that they were, you know, you were doing the art show and he was 
initiating or launching the, the coloring book um, at that time also. So I hope to do yeah. something else, you know, well, we're going to find ways to connect ongoing. For sure. If you send me the link to that also, we'll put that also in the show notes, you know, for okay. people to anything that we've discussed, I want people to be able to find out about, you know, and, yeah. and, and link to, cause we'll have all of your links, but just to say them out loud um, here, Zuri, how can people, what's the best way for people to reach you? So I'm at the doula part. So, um, the doulapart.com is, uh, the website, uh, on Instagram, I'm at the doulapart mm-hmm. and I am Zuri at the doulapart.com for, um, email. Oh, great. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All of those. Okay. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Um, cause I, I so hope people one are inspired by you, you know, to, to give in support, not just in a kind of what we think is like the right thing to do, but in such a broad and, and much more deep and personal way that you're offering, you know, and can use your services or, you know, contribute to it in, in any way and always possible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people feel called to give and don't necessarily know how. You know, where they can have a great impact. And for me, it was important to focus on food because that's where I have the most expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I'm most passionate. And a lot of people, I mean, food is such a huge part of our lives, you know, eating out at restaurants and, and, and things like that. And so I think a lot of people feel called to help feed people and don't necessarily know um, the best ways to do that. And just the, the, the work that I personally do in the community through Take It Off My Plate um, or uh, the projects that I'm involved with, um, there's a lot of opportunity to give in ways that you love, you know, and that yeah. could um, really, you know, help people. Oh, I love that because, you know, one, you know, of course, connecting and giving it with what you're doing, but also to follow you and see the inspiration that you are that might spark another idea that, you know, that somebody else has like, well, that's not my thing. And I will support it maybe in some way, but I can, to show that I could do this, you know, and, and any of us can take an idea like, like you did and a need, see a need, such a profound need and step up and do something. And mm-hmm. you don't have to know everything before you start, but then you can get help and get support and be open to feedback and mm-hmm. a, a number of the things that, that we talked about today, but your journey, I think is a huge inspiration for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so, so much uh, for this time. Zuri. And uh, I know we'll be connecting more and finding more ways to like be together and work together, but I'm super grateful that we got to do this piece and we'll get to put it out there for more people to hear about you and, and everything you're doing. Thank you so much. This was great. Yeah, you're welcome. Megs and Pegs are a mother-daughter duo and their conversations explore life, food, and the pursuit of happiness. It's a wonderful podcast and Megan is a certified holistic health coach and Mama Peggy is an entrepreneurial foodie with a zesty personality. Together, they really have the kind of conversations that you wish you could have had with your mom, including alternative health practices, relationships in family, and maintaining a healthy balance when life gets messy. They're unpacking all the juicy goodness just for you. I I can't recommend enough to tune in to every episode, but you know any episode because you are going to get so much juicy richness from it. Enjoy. 
If you like what you hear in this podcast, and of course I hope you do, I'm excited to share I have a Rewrite the Mother Code Mastermind coming up. The next one launches on March 7th. It's an immersive eight-week exploration into rewriting your mother code. You'll be supported not only by me, but a group of extraordinary women. It's an intimate group. I keep it intimate so that we really can go deep and connect. And every woman that joins is on her own journey toward self-love, self-prioritization, and self-fulfillment. The Mother Code Mastermind is designed to give you the guidance and tools you need to nurture yourself first. So hard to do. And we really need to come together to do this in order to make it happen. So no matter where you are in your life and wherever you are in the mothering continuum with kids, without kids, at any stage along the way, be prepared to disrupt everything you've ever believed about the word mother and own it for your own expansion and empowerment. You can sign up at www.drdrgertrudelyons.com slash mastermind. The link is also in the show notes. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that you can stay on the journey and continue to hear more about rewriting your mother code.